excited uh, to continue uh, our Lenten series. Um, it's just been good. Um, as we kind of think and reflect and are invited into the story uh, on Jesus' journey, uh, journey to the cross, um, it's important to kind of take the steps along the way because every uh, thing that we do, every conversation that we have, I always think brings more joy to Easter morning right? Easter morning is the celebration that we just come together. We want to blow the roof off the place and in great celebration, but that celebration is always more enjoyable when we, when we dig in and even participate in, in, in the suffering as well. And so we'll do that uh, as, we get, as we get closer. I'm excited to kind of be talking about this idea that we've been talking about really at Alive since we started because it wants to be the foundation of who we are, and it's this sort of what, what we mean to say we're going to deny ourselves, Right? Luke 9 says, um, Jesus says, you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, and follow me. Right? And we talked about what does it mean to deny ourselves? Well, there's so many things that we can pick and choose. Right? There's aspects of what it means to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deny certain things about myself. Because we sort of live in this, we live in a Burger King culture. Right? Have it your way have it your way right away. Uh, we want what we want and we sort of, um, we go after that and we're sort of have an expectation that we're going to get what we want exactly the way we want it. And when we don't, we sort of get a little testy, right? Sometimes, have you ever been sort of, my grandma will never listen to sermons online so I can throw her right under the bus. She's 90 and we love her so much. But you know, as you sometimes as you get older, you lose the ability to sort of be tactful in conversations with people, right? And so having like next to my grandma in a restaurant where things have not gone the way that she wanted or the coffee was a little cold or it's not coming fast enough, uh, right? It's just those awkward shrinking moments when you're like, she's being so demanding. But then I think about the times in my life that I'm exactly the same way and just as demanding. Have you ever returned something at Kohl's? Kohl's practically give things away to begin with, and you like sit in the customer service line where people are frustrated and want what they want, and they want it right now. Uh, this is the commercial, by the way, for Burger King in 1974, I think. Roll them. Have it your way. Have it your way. Have it your way at Burger King. May I help you, sir? Two Whoppers, two Whopper Juniors, and four Coca-Cola. And would I have to wait long if you made one Whopper with no pickle and no lettuce? No, sir. Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce. Special orders don't upset us. All we ask is that you let us serve it your way. Oh, well, in that case, could I have the other Whopper with extra ketchup? Sure. We can serve your broad beef Whopper fresh with everything on top of any way you your way. Now that's the way to do things. Our way. Have it your way. Have it your way at Burger King. Burger King. Right? This, this, is, this is a great encapsulation. This was a, a commercial happening in the 70s, right? Uh, convenience and all this kind of stuff was happening in the 50s and 60s and 70s. And we just keep adding to the culture of this, of have it your way, right? They were very pleasant about wanting it their way, uh, but that's the way we sort of want things. And part of denying ourselves is to look at the different aspects and the different ways that we have to put that down 
and submit to a different way, a way that we're often sometimes um, uncomfortable with because we just, we're conditioned as, as humans as part, of our, as part of our brokenness, right, is to want things um, for us to think of ourselves first, uh, maybe to think of ourselves and our family first, um, but it's kind of like, I got to take care of me and mine and ours, um, and that is, that's what we're going to focus on. And, and that's not the way that I feel like uh, Scripture calls us to, and it's not the way uh, that Jesus uh, spoke about, especially in John 16. That's where we're going to be focusing today. So if you have a Bible or a device, feel free to pull that out. It's going to be on the screen. We're just going to focus on this moment um, in John 16 uh, where Jesus is sort of starting to help his disciples understand that he's going to let go of his ministry. That Even in this moment, he's going to, to pass it on right, to, to somebody else to, and to uh, send us Holy Spirit. So let's dig into that. John chapter 16. Before we do, let me just pray. Father God, we just uh, pray for clarity. As we open your word, as we um, look at your life and your story, uh, God, I just pray that we can see things new. Some of us have been reading scripture a long time and um, we, can, we can forget or we can um, glance over things like we, we know them. And so help us to see fresh and anew with eyes for the very first time. Teach us something, show us something, um, enlighten us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So John chapter 16, we'll just kind of start, dig right in and go from there. This is excellent. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when, any, when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. He's talking to his disciples here, right? Kind of preparing them for what's to come. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you, you will remember that I warned about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, right? So it's this, it's this preparation, what's to come. It's going to be hard. You, uh, I'm going to prepare you as much as I can, but it's going to come as a shock to you because they don't know, they don't know me, Right? They don't know the Father and they don't know me, and this is why they're going to do things to you. You understand in a way that I don't, or the way that other people don't. So it's going to get difficult. Then he picks it up in verse 5. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, Where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is, good, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove to the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Keeping talk, trying to prepare them for what's coming, what's next. I'm not going to be with you. Uh, they're not quite sure yet. This means death for Jesus. He, keep, he tries to explain it to him in the ways they can, but it's just, I can't imagine what it must be like for them. Verse 12, I have much more to say to you, much more that you now can't bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All this belongs to the Father is mine. This is what I said. This is, that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. 
All right, so this is the first time that, the second time that we're really talking about uh, who the Holy Spirit is. It's really the first time, uh, a couple chapters before, he kind of explains it even more, but he keeps kind of coming back to this, this idea of Holy Spirit. Now, can you imagine what it must have been like for the disciples at that moment, right? They have given up everything to be with Jesus. They left their jobs, their family, their friends, their land, all the things that were important to them, especially all the things that were important uh, in the first century, right? To just walk away from those and to live sort of this nomadic life with this person who was claiming to be the son of God. And they believed it wholeheartedly. They'd spent time with Jesus. They loved him. They, um, they were in, right? And then he's saying to him, but it's going to be good. It's going to be good for you that I go. Now, if it were me, I mean, when I put myself into that situation, I, I might not only be confused, but a little defensive, right? Like a, a little bit of, um, right, but Lord, it's only been three years, right? We, we, I, I have more to learn. You have more to teach us. We have more to do. This doesn't, this doesn't make sense. Why does this have to happen now? This is, there's so much more. Three years? I can't imagine. But verse 7 is sort of our, our, this, key, this key verse. I feel like this passage was a little bit of a tongue tie for me, so I apologize. That's why I always say you should have your Bibles open just in case. But verse 7 says, But very truly I tell you, it is good. It, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Right? It's good that I go. Because it's not until I go that you're going to get this gift, that I'm going to give you this advocate. Some, some um, translations say counselor, but it's this, it's this idea for the first time of the Holy Spirit, right? It's interesting to note that already we have two names for the Holy Spirit, um, both acting as more of a descriptor about what he's going to do. He's going to be an advocate and also the spirit of truth, those two things. And when you do a quick Google search on just the idea of what an advocate is, it's interesting. I, I've, I've used the word all the time, but really an advocate is a noun, and it's an advocate is a person who represents another person's interest, like a lawyer does. In fact, the word comes from the courtroom, right? So it's this idea, it's, from, it's a Latin word, advocare, so to add voice to, right? To advocate, to add voice in the support of a cause or a person. Well, that's actually a really great descriptor of, of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to us and through us, to, through God on, on, on his behalf. And it's interesting because I, I think, I, when I grew up, we, don't talk, we didn't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit in the Christian Reformed Church. I don't know if it was just part of the Trinity that we were uncomfortable with, or um, if maybe it's because it's difficult to understand how he moves and breathes and what he does and how he relates to us, but but I feel like scripture makes it really clear. And not only is it, it feels less confusing to me, it feels more comforting, more hopeful, right? But in the moment, even the disciples are confused, right? They're not understanding exactly what's going to happen, that Jesus is going to have to die. But he promises you that I'm going to send someone. And it's not until I go that you can really continue your ministry. And then in verse 13, he says, what, what will the, the Spirit do? He's going to guide you, convict you speak to you on behalf of Jesus, and bring glory to Jesus himself. And I'm going to give you that as a gift. I promise you that it's going to be to your advantage. He uses that word. I think advantage is a big word. It's not just going to be 
helpful, but you will be better off. You will be in a better position uh, if I leave and the Holy Spirit comes. Because we know how the story continues, that he was absolutely right. right. If you page forward, you get to the book of Acts where the, we have the whole start uh, of the church and the Holy Spirit coming down on tongues of fire uh, to the disciples so that they can speak and translate and the gospel can start to spread. And by the advocacy of the Holy Spirit, the work and the ministry of Jesus was multiplied. The Spirit was now in every believer. So the people that didn't get a chance to walk and to be next to Jesus, but who still believed in Jesus, now had Jesus within them which is pretty cool because there were always people that were clamoring to get to Jesus. And can you imagine all the people that didn't get to have a conversation, that didn't get to talk, that didn't maybe even get to the front of the crowd to hear what he was saying? He's saying, now it's the spirit, my spirit, my words, my being dwell in you. And through the conviction of sin, which is difficult, this idea of sin, meaning, meaning living apart from God, not, I'm not talking about individual sins, but our sin problem, is that people were being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. They were being convicted so that they could be free and holy, so that they could say yes to something else. Something that they had no willingness, desire, or strength to do on their own. It's only by the convicting of the Holy Spirit that they could even begin to move into a place of change and say, I'm open to this. We don't do it on our own, right? The iPad is talking to me. That one right there, just FYI. So many things, okay. Um, but the Holy Spirit acts in the same way, right? The same, the same way today. The, the same Holy Spirit that launched the church in Acts launched Alive in Granville. The same Holy Spirit dwells in this place and in each one of us who profess uh, Jesus as, as Lord and Savior of our lives. It's it's because it's, and it's wonderful and it's glorious and I get excited about talking about it. But then there's this other side that's, that can be difficult and painful. Right? Conviction does that, right? Like when we're in, in our hearts, when, 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 when things are made known to us that aren't right, to be refined is difficult, right? We, we use the phrase, there's a song that we sing, like remember that? Oh, VVS, Refiner's Fire, right? Lord, be my one desire. We want to hope for this, right? But this, this idea of being refined by fire uh, is a difficult and painful process oftentimes, right? To, to turn away from something and walk towards something else can be painful. It's exciting and it's good and it's, uh, it's all the wonderful things that we talk about, but sometimes we don't talk sometimes about the uncomfortableness of what transformation really looks like because oftentimes it, it, it means that we have to take hard looks at things, and the only way we do that is because the Holy Spirit is the one convicting us, renewing us, asking us to look at things differently. And we, we oftentimes, most times, this doesn't happen in an audible, audible voice, is that the Spirit's not going to speak, but, he, but you're going to feel him. You're going to have conversations with other people. There's, there's going to be things that you, uh, that you read that you maybe hear from up front. I, we, I pray every day that the Holy Spirit will make me a vessel, that I'll be able to say the words that you need to hear. And I know it's true sometimes because people come up to me and say, Carrie, this really was helpful. And they'll quote something that I said. I'm like, I did not say that. Right? Like, I didn't say it that way. That, or that wasn't what I intended for you to get. But I'm so thankful. Right? Because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. 
being formed and reformed and reshaped into the image of your father can be hard and it can be uncomfortable. Pastor Terry said it this way. We kind of get together and go over things and study together with uh, Pastor Terry and Pastor Susan and I. And he said it this way. He ascends so that we have to rely on God in us and not Jesus with us. That's difficult. Imagine for, for the disciples and those who were following him for the last little bit. We sort of have, we never got to experience what it was like to physically walk and be with Jesus, but what that must have been like. Because Jesus was all about empowerment, empowering his disciples to be doers, right? And he, and he gave them the Holy Spirit so that they could go and do and accomplish things. Not because that was what was going to make them uh, good or saved or or, um, or better or justified. It's because his love, his spirit empowers and propels us to do the work that God calls us to do. Um, I mentioned this is uh, the, actually the second time um, that we hear about the Holy Spirit in the book of John. If you go to two chapters before in John 14, um, he's talking about his disciples and kind of giving them a, a, an overview again. And in verse 28 and 25, he says this, all this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Right? It's this, I've already taught you the things that you need to know. But I know that this process, what's going to happen to me, is going to wreck you. Watching me have to suffer and die and not knowing what's next is going to wreck you. And you're going to forget. And I'm going to, sh- I'm going to reveal myself to you. And I'm going, to, uh, I'm, I'm going to resurrect. He knows all the things he's going to do. But he knows that it's going to cause them to be overwhelmed, to lose focus. Right? We know that after Jesus uh, died, before his resurrection, they scattered. They hid. They were afraid. Because what Jesus said about what would happen to them was coming true. But the Holy Spirit, the advocate, is going to remind you. Remind you of what we're about. To refocus you. Uh, to, to, to tell you exactly what the plan is from here on out. How am I going to work? How am I still going to be working in the world, right? Because it can't be about me and what I want and what I think is right. It can't be my way right away. But it, knowing that we desperately want it that way, how do we turn in another direction and say, I don't have to, that's what our culture says, that's the way the world tells me to be, but I can choose to stand in opposition of that through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? I can't do it on my own. I have to rely on that work because it's not going to be me because I am always going to want my way. But we see, I must become less so that Christ may be lifted up, amen? So Christ gave up his ministry. In that moment, Christ says, I'm going to give up my ministry so that the Spirit can take over. And so even sometimes the good things that we have to give up, this idea of our, our ministry, this can sound a lot like the church body, especially if you've been involved in, in church for a while, right? We all have different things that we care desperately about. Different ministries that, that mean the most to us, and we can get wrapped up in the things that give us the most drive and the most passion, and we want our church to care about this, and I am all for this, and I want, I want us to be about this. Um, I want to be in community. And what does that mean? Because local um, schools matter to me. 
I want you to be involved in fill in the blank, right? I want to be advocating for missionaries abroad. As we start a church, we have all these things that we, we are passionate about and want to do. But when we do all the things, right, churches, we can lose our focus in what we're actually trying to do. Because if we're going to do, Terry used to say all the time, in our meetings in front of church, as we were building even alive ministries to get us to the point of building another church, of all the things we could do, what are we going to do? What are we going to be about? What are, or what are we going to entrust that the Holy Spirit is revealing to us that we need to be about? That Alive in Granville exists because... I remember um, I was involved in the Jenison campus of some small group restructuring. Restructuring is one of those things that just causes people some feelings of anxiety, to bring back some of what we learned last time. Um, being in a room, right, full of leaders who, who cared deeply about the program, about what we were doing, who had been maybe leading small group for a long time, and we were sort of saying, all right, this is how we feel like we want to um, make some change. We'd like to break up some small groups so, because they're getting big and have like break off to make smaller groups. And that makes some people kind of visibly upset, right? Uh, because their ministry was going really well and they, uh, they loved it. And the fact that we were trying to change it was off-putting. And I get it. Because I remember what it was like to be in that seat, right? Because what I love about it is on the one hand, people have passion and ownership and they're excited about what's happening and the way God is moving and working. It's everything you want in leadership, right? Those people that are like, yes, this group, these are my people. But on the other hand, right, it's this idea of holding on to our ministry so tightly that we're unwilling to see the potential benefits of what it could mean for change. Because change it can be difficult, right? We like the things that we care about. We want it our way, even the really, really good things. So I think it can be the idea that, that well, so I, I like change more than most people uh, in a way that's probably abnormal to, to some, right? Like if things stay too, the same for too long, then I can get a little bit, a little bit antsy. So not everybody feels that way, and, and I understand that. But, but I can also get the idea that for me, that ministry can, can be uh, my responsibility, like solely on me, right? It's not about me, but it might be dependent on me. I'm the only person that's like full-time staff, right? And then there's Krista, and then there's Alex, and they're, and, and, oh man, I got to do all the things. And it's about, then it soon or later can become about, well, what do I want? Well, what do I think is best? Well, what am I good at? And I'll structure things around the things that I'm best at, and we'll go from there. We can't make a church on that. We would just be hanging out a lot. Nothing would get done. Our leadership reminds me of that all the time, that, that even though I can feel that way sometimes, that that's not the case. Right? Scripture reminds us of what we already know to be true, that, that we can let go of things, and we can entrust them. We don't have to hold on to things so tightly because we think we know the best way to do it. And you might. Uh, we talk about a lot uh, about different you know, talents and skills and abilities, but the thing that I was actually reminded of is um, this great example of how we can share ministry um, was Moses' experience. So Moses is wandering around in the desert, and uh, they just kind of recently had gotten free uh, of Egypt, 
and he's trying to hold everything together. I felt like, man, that guy knows what it's like to plant a church, except for we would like be like, okay, let's move. We're going here tomorrow, and you'd pack up, and we'd move. But he was trying to manage everyone and everything, and they're in this place, and people are arguing and squabbling, and they don't know, and in comes his father-in-law, Jethro. By the way, I just can't sometimes think of this, I think of this story now, because Jethro's like the Clampets, right? So when I read it, it doesn't sound like a first century name. It sounds like here comes the Clampets through the desert, and they're like, clanger. That's not the case, but now you can be there with me. Um, but Jethro comes, and he provides this respite for Moses by just giving him some freedom to not feel like he has to manage it all on his own, that, not that he has to figure out all the issues that are constantly fighting because you can't manage it all. It can't be the way that you want it to be or the way that you think it should go. Moses, don't hold on so tightly. So in, in Exodus 18, uh, just uh, starting the last half of verse 17, uh, he says, what you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But, here's the cool part, but select capable men from all people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for all the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases that can, divide, can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God commands so, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. It sounds like the people then had the same, this is not a new issue, this idea of wanting what we want and wanting it now. I think that it was, it's, we didn't create it. It's not a Burger King thing. It's existed for forever. And that's the way we are always inclined. Moses had to let go of ministry responsibilities and give them to other people. I had a conversation just the other day, coffee with somebody, uh, about how uh, he wants to get involved, what things that he wants to do. And uh, we talked about his different experience and what he's good at and all those things. And I couldn't wait to say, hey, if you want to pray, I want you to pray about this because I've got something I would love to give you. Right, This task that I do right now that I think you'd be really good at. And I'm thankful that, A, we have people in our, in, our, in our place, in our church, that want to say yes to things. And I'm thankful that right now that God keeps giving me the spirit to say, I will give it away. Because that makes us right now a very healthy and good church. And if I ever become not that way, somebody's in charge of smacking me. Elders, deacons, Claire... <laughs> So I think the question that we have to, that we have to ask ourselves, um, all of us really, is what does it mean to hold on to ministry loosely? Even this one. Jesus left behind his ministry so that the Spirit could take over. What are you willing to let go so the Spirit can take over you? What are the things that we are trying to do together corporately as a church? I don't mean if you're involved in another ministry, drop that. 
right? I don't want you to have this really cool thing that you're doing and then not do that. What I mean is we all have our different our different passions, all the things we want this place to do and to become. But here's the things that we've decided to do corporately. How can you be part of that? What are the things that we're trying to do together? We talk uh, all the time about our giftedness in, in the body of Christ, right? What has God given you that you can offer in service to him through a life? Right? God has brought you to this specific place for a reason because we're small. We're a small little scrappy church, right, that's just trying to do the next right thing. We are a hundred people. Not today, but some days. Right? That's where we're at. We're at, this place of, of, we're at this place of growth. We're at this place where we, as a church, don't have pro, a lot of programs to offer you. Some of you can't wait till small groups get started, and there's some, some, some of that, that that's going to happen. You're like, I can't wait till we do that. And some of you are like, oh, when we do this, I'm going to lead that. But where are we right now, and how can you step into that kind of engagement? Saying it's not about what I want right now, but it's about what we're doing together. And how has God gifted you to be a part of that? So that no matter what we're doing, that you get to be part of what God is calling us to do. Because we constantly, as leadership and ourselves, want to pray, God, what is next for us? Because it's easy to say, okay, we can do this, this, and this. Or normally, churches do this, this, and then this, and then and we just go down the line. But if we said we want to build a church that maybe does things differently, that can think outside the box, or that just says, all right, we don't have to, we can scrap the ABC plan and just come up with, Holy Spirit, convict us, move in us, cause us to see our community in new and different ways. We are all part of the body of Christ, but Christ is the head, the author, the perfecter, the alpha, the omega. We want to go where he tells us to go. We want to hold on to this place, this ministry, this building so loosely so that we can be what about the things that the Father's about. We have to continue to just keep asking him, what do you want from us? How, can, how does Alive want to grow and change and how do I get to be a part of that? How do I hold on to things loosely? I don't know what's next for us. I've got ideas. I, I, I'm excited. I feel like God is revealing himself in new ways. As we get together, we have a leadership team coming uh, together soon. Um, and, and we keep talking. What, is, what are we going to look like a year from now? Three years from now? What about that space next door? God, Holy Spirit, direct us. What are you calling us into? What are the things that we have to let go of who we think we want to be and move into who you want us to be? And you're here for a reason because there are a lot of other churches that could do different things for you that you could be involved in all the small groups you want to be in, and they probably have a bigger band and do all the different things, but you're, God called you to this place. And I want you, to, want you to start asking the good questions, why? What are you calling me to do? If the, if, if the Holy Spirit empowers us to do the work of Jesus, what does that look like for you? Let's pray. God, help us to be, help us to be your instruments. Instruments can't, can't function on their own, but they're only useful when they're in the hands of somebody else. And so, God, we surrender our lives to it. We surrender our ministries to you, our passions, our desires, and we just want to lay all of it at your feet. We want to be people that seek you first, that seek your kingdom and your righteousness. We want to be people that are not about our own selfish ambitions or things we think are right or that we want or that's best, but instead to be able to submit to your authority 
And as people, we have authority issues sometimes. So help us. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us, Lord. We wait with open hands. Give us hearts that are soft and heavy for the things that you care about. And give us the strength to let go of the things that we want. And, that, and give us the, the prayers and the words to say, God, I want what you want. I will go where you send me. I will be part of things that are uncomfortable and inconvenient because you've called me to them. God, reveal, reveal yourself to us. Reveal uh, the ways that we can be involved in the work. The work that you've set before us. The good work. God, we thank you for this place. We thank you for this church that we're building together as we think and pray and, 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 and ask for your guidance that the Holy Spirit will reveal yourself to us corporately. We want to be the, about the things that you are, about people, about relationships, about brokenness and wholeness and shalom. We want to be a place where everybody feels welcome and everybody has the chance to know you. Because when they know you, they will worship you because you are God. In Jesus' name we pray and believe. Amen.